Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you tonight? I'm feeling pretty good. Feeling I, I still have a bit of a cough, but I'm feeling a lot better. Right. Feeling a lot more energized. So, And they, certainly the hockey game tonight. It was kind of an old-fashioned run-and-gun game. Lots of up and down the ice. Which the Oilers eventually won by a score of five to three with a wonderful, beautiful, fantastic empty net goal right at the end. The cherry on the cherry on top. It's just so nice when the when your top scorer, who's who's in you know going to be racing for the Art Ross Trophy this year, gets that cheapy goal, Bruce. You got to love that. Well, completely cheap. He made a nice play to pick that pass off and. Hit the net, but the game was decided at that moment. It wasn't, you know, it was sort of a cherry on top, as you say. Do you know, David, uh, the Oilers have scored scored one empty net goal in the first half of the season, 41 games. And <laughs> since then, they've played 15 games and have scored seven empty net goals. Nice. Yeah, Justice. I'll say. Justice. Do you know how many they've so. given up by chance? Uh, I think in those 15 games, none. They were way behind the eight ball. It was like one, yeah. four, and six or seven against. And now I think they're actually maybe even a, a, a more four than against because I think they got, I think it's seven to zero since uh, since the turning point of the season that when they recalled Kyler Yamamoto. All right, this is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. And Bruce, because it's a Oilers win, I think we're going to cheat. Again, we just can't help ourselves, and we're going to go to two it's good things cheating. each. It's kind it's of cheating. cheating. It's our podcast. <laughs> I mean, you could call it four, but four good things, two bad things. Well, there you go. Two good things each, two bad things. Anyway. Why don't you start off with a good thing? Okay, I'm going to start off with an unexpected good thing, uh, uh, which is the terrific play tonight of uh, Adam Larson, who... I. I thought we saw the good Adam Larson tonight, and we haven't seen enough of this guy this year. But man, was he battling and brawling and scrumming and 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 uh, uh, mixing it up along the boards and in the trenches and the what they call the dirty areas. And he won the vast majority of those battles. And uh, he was uh, laying on the body. He had uh, f- he had five hits in this game, uh, but. Uh, most surprisingly was he recorded a plus three, uh, which very much reverses a, a goal bleeding trend that he's had for a while. And his regular partner, Adam Larson, was even on the night. Uh, so, or sorry, Oscar Kleppbaum was even and Larson was plus three. But he was, uh, I, I just loved his play from basically the ringette line down to the end boards. I just thought he was a big force in this game. And uh yeah. Uh, that Adam Larson can play for me all night, all year, all decade. You know, that's uh, uh, love the big, greasy, um, take no crap uh, defenseman. He was very, very good. And it made me almost feel bad about writing that blog post the other day saying that I'm now leading towards seeing Adam Larson get traded um, mm-hmm. for a forward. <clears throat> but like you say, we haven't always seen that Adam Larson this year. And the orders have a surplus of really good defensemen, including Chris Russell. So um, I'll just uh, stick with that for now. But Adam Larson did have a – he had one of those great Adam Larson games, which he, which he's had at times. Mm-hmm. He's been – he had a run of them in December, played right. very well in December. 
and then he kind of tailed off. And in the last, before this game, the last three or four games were, were particularly kind of rancid, which probably inspired me to write, partly inspired me to write that post. But I do think I was looking at the bigger picture and saying that. Yeah, I do too. So. And, and you made one point, like we, we got a little bit of pushback from people saying you don't trade a defenseman like that before the playoffs. But I think the point you were making in the podcast was that because it's before the playoffs, that pushes Larson's value up for other teams, and they might be prepared yes. to give up a little more. Now, the same case can be made that he's uh, pushing up his value here in Edmonton. Um, but either way, if you are going to trade him, that might be the time you get the most for him. So, yeah, and the, and you have Chris Russell, I think, who can who plays very similar role, can play with um, Oscar Clefbaum um, <coughs> on that pairing, and. Um, I just don't see in the long run both the orders being able to to um, afford Larson with the salary cap. You know, you're going to have to pay Yamamoto. They're going to have to pay Bear. They're going to have to pay Nuge. So I think they're going to have to trade him at some point. And the point is, so you have to ask yourself as the GM, okay, when is the right moment? So, <clears throat> excuse me, but we won't go over that. I'll I'll, right. um, I'll give a, we've enough said on that at least. We, we have gone over it. My good thing, Bruce, was the grind line. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Shan, Archibald. And uh, Zach Cassian, great first goal. And um, I often tell my players when I'm coaching to do what Josh Archibald did on that that first shift. If you don't have a pass and you don't have, and there's some guy bearing down on you at the neutral zone, put it up, pass. I say, pass the puck to yourself off the boards, chase after it. I say, tell Connor McDavid does that at least once a game, twice a game. It's a great play. Be like Connor McDavid and do that. And so Josh Archibald was like Connor McDavid today. He put it off the boards to himself, rushed down the ice, put it uh, back to Cassian, Cassian over, and Cheyenne drained it. That line, Bruce, was like a, a second line all night long. They were so uh, effective on the attack. They, I don't know. Um, they got one more chance. Cassian got a breakaway chance. But I just was really impressed with their hustle, their defensive effort. Cheyenne took a couple penalties, of course, but... Yeah. Um, and I guess they were penalties, but um, how that dry settle thing was not a penalty is beyond me, but uh, we we won't get into that. But that line, I I, I think that um, <clears throat> Shane needs to play with two speedy wingers, and Zach Cassian qualifies. Zach Cassian is a fast hockey player, and when you get big Shane in the middle, who's a smart, defensively responsible hockey player, playing with two fast players, it was Negard. Uh, earlier, who just signed a new new contract, quite a value contract with the Oilers, a good play by Ken Holland and Archibald. Um, now it's Cassian instead of Negard. I really like that line. I, I don't like it as much when it's Kara because I think he kind of replicates what Shane does, but doesn't do it as well. Um, so good line from the good good play from the grind line tonight. Yeah, I, I love that first goal. You know, I've I mentioned to you in the past how, how much I love the. Uh, wall stretch pass. Uh, but Archibald went up that with a wall stretch pass to himself. Yeah. That was just an absolute perfect dump and, and bank off the boards. And then when he when he won the race to it, because he was busting his butt like he did all game again, uh, once he won the race, he made a real sharp uh, uh, backhand feed to catch uh, Cassian coming in behind him, and that opened up the, the lane to the net. And I'm not sure if Cassian... Pastor, if he sh- if he shot for the rebound or anyway, I think the goalie got a piece of Cassian shot, but he uh, Cheyenne tapped it home. So that was uh, that was a uh, a beautiful way to start the game with uh, two great shifts ending in a goal. 
And the Cassian's breakaway was also nice. Started off by a beautiful stretch pass by another, none other than the 40th leading defenseman, even strength scorer in the NHL, Darnell Nurse, hit Cassian on the fly with a great pass. And Cassian did a good job to puck protect uh, from a fairly aggressive defensive play and get a pretty dangerous shot off on net on his break. So great pass from Darnell Nurse, who who gets a lot of stick in uh, Edmonton for not being a great passer, and sometimes from me as well. Mm-hmm. But a hell of a pass. And, and Nurse is getting those points somehow, Bruce, as we were saying. Like, it's, there's not just magic. He, he's not a great passer, but he's capable of the great pass, if you'll, yes. if you'll accept the yes. distinction. Like, every once in a while. He's like, the, he's like that quarterback in football, you know. They, well, you don't see these guys anymore because they're extinct. But who would pass, he'd have an under 50% passing rating. But he would go deep once in a while and, 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 and make up his yards in bigger chunks. And uh, anyway, he, yeah, he when he does, when, yeah, 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 Joe yeah. Pasarchuk, Daryl Monica, <laughs> Daryl Monica. <laughs> Those are mandatory '70s sports reference for this podcast. La Monica's '60s, Bruce. I hate. Is he '60s? Uh, yeah, I guess AFL. Eh, that would be '60s. Yeah. yeah, that kind of passer was around then. Terry Bradshaw started out like that as well. Yeah. Um. All right. Um. What's your other good thing? Uh. Well. I think tonight we have to we have to uh, uh, commend again the play of Kader Yamamoto, who was named in the building as the uh, first star, and rightfully so. Uh, I think I mean you could certainly make a case for Leon Dreisaitl as first star with four points, but uh, Kader had a, had a pair of goals, and I thought he was just a force out there, uh, charging down pucks. I mean the one goal that he scored. He made at least two plays earlier in the shift to win board battles. And against the odds, like there was one that went into the corner. I thought, oh, Chicago guys just got going to win the race and ice it because they were killing penalty at that time. And Yamamoto went into the corner board so hard that he actually went past the guy and hit the boards. But, but as he got there, he got to the puck first and kept the play alive. And then he, after winning the board battles, he hustled his butt to the net front. And uh, was able to uh, uh, to fish the puck out of the goalie's pads and and uh, tuck it over the goal line. That was a high skill play. In addition to being you know a, a gutsy, gritty kind of go for the net play, and he's just playing balls out, man. I'm just loving this game. And one one mistake in the defensive zone, one bad clearance in the third yeah. period, but he also made up for that with a great um, shot block where he tipped one into the netting from from middle slot. And you know that that uh, good stick of his does him uh, uh, does him well in multiple situations, not just in the offensive zone, but that's certainly where he's probably at his best. Fantastic draft pick by uh, the uh, Keith Gretzky, Peter Shirelli regime. I mean, Shirelli doesn't get credit for that, but uh, he did hire Gretzky. But what a great draft pick! And you know, heading into the season, Bruce, there was lots of doubts about Yamamoto, including from me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I sure. hadn't seen him much. I hadn't seen him much in the HL because every time I was watching that team. He was injured, so I hadn't, you know, and but um, and he and he was injured all throughout training camp. We didn't even get to see him then. But man, he has just been everything, you know. We, you always see that. You're always hoping that your team gets that um, out of nowhere, that like great player like Chicago did with Duncan Keith. And it mm. looks like I'm not saying Ethan Bear is as good as Duncan Keith, but it looks like out of nowhere we have that defenseman now in uh, Ethan Bear, who's just like a top four defenseman who can really get the job done. And now out of nowhere we have that little guy, 
you know, a lot of teams get, get developed that little guy, Johnny Gaudreau in Chica- uh, Calgary came out of nowhere, really. Alex Dabrinkit in Chicago uh, out of nowhere. And now we have, <coughs> excuse me, now we have that in Edmonton with Kari Yamamoto. So very, very good. Very good. Very pleasant. Looked at, yeah, I mean, he finally got a shot on the first power play. And uh, first power play unit with McDavid out of the lineup. Uh, Yamamoto was the guy that filled in. And after a disastrous first power play where the unit gave up a shorthanded goal, they scored uh, later on the second and third power plays. But Yamamoto, on on the first period of his first insertion onto the power play, after scoring all of his points at even strength to them, scored a goal. Very first period. And there he is cashing him in. He's uh, taking advantage of his opportunities. And, I mean, they've given him a wonderful opportunity with Dry Saddle and Nugent Hopkins. They asked him about that in the post-game interview, and he's basically saying it's a dream to play with two players of that capacity. But he's doing his part, and then some. My good thing is uh, Leon Drysaddle, Bruce. The uh, as, as a segue there, Leon Drysaddle just had a monster game. Mm-hmm. Leon Drysaddle is a monster player. He he. Yep. We'll see how the Oilers do here with McDavid out, but. There's a chance if the Oilers go on a bit of a, you know, at least hold their own, hang in there. Leon Dreisaitl, he, he might not only lead the league in scoring, he might be their MVP of the NHL this year. He just, uh, I mean, those backhand passes he was throwing all game long were astonishing. His work rate all game long was astonishing. Mm-hmm. Just, just play after play after play. He was driving the play, dominating the play. Um, in both ends of the ice, and uh, man, this is this is the dry saddle that we first saw. You know, revealed himself in the 2017 playoffs against Anaheim. Made me real happy that uh, they had signed him up long term for that amount of money. And uh, yeah, I have to keep always bringing that up. It's true. And um, we're seeing but it David, again. David, if he would have signed an eight-year contract at my figure, it would have been an even better contract. Don't you know this? <laughs> Indeed, Bruce. Indeed. And I'm sure he would have signed. I would have said, "Just here, Leon. We're, we're, you know, sign here. Eight years." Anyway, I'm glad he got as much as he did because he won't. I think he's happy with his contract. He's got no reason to be unhappy when he signed it. It was a, it was a player friendly kind of contract. That's, Mm -hmm. that's true. No denying that. But um, I thought he was going to earn it, and so did you, and so did a lot of other people. And he's more than earned it. He's just crushing it. Um, he's the best player many nights. You know, he's one of the, he's in the top five players in the NHL right now, and he's got a chance to be the MVP. So that's pretty yeah, spectacular. Well, the window is actually to MVP, which many saw as you know this is McDavid's team, and uh, but that window has just opened. If Leon can play. Uh, during McDavid's absence and, and carry the team in the manner that his line did tonight, uh, yeah. that's really going to open some eyes. He made one play tonight, David, or it was maybe it was six plays all right in a row. Uh, I think it was in the second period. It was down by uh, down by the left, uh, attacking left side of the goaltender's, goaltender's blocker side, and Leon recovered a puck around the goal line. And he made about five stick handles in a row, like just impromptu. It wasn't like, here's my move, I'm, I got it all figured out, because the puck was bouncing in 
opponents were sort of whizzing by left and right. And somehow he dangled that puck and maintained control, bouncing puck. And and he made about four or five touches, and then he whipped a pass, backhand pass, right across the slot and right onto the stick of uh, what was probably was, was it Yamamoto? I think it was the right shot that was coming in. And just too low to... to uh, and too surprised, I think, to get the pass to get a get a decent shot away, but the, just the level of skill and the hand-eye coordination that that guy has, just off the charts. What an amazing hockey player is. One thing I noticed, Bruce, I'm going to sneak in another a third good thing. Sorry, um, <laughs> the Oilers broke the puck up in the middle of the ice a lot in the third yes, period. That was sure really did. impressive. They were looking for it; it was there. They're just not this horrible, predictable, rancid team that goes up the boards every time. They go up the middle of the ice consistently, and it's paying off in spades. So good, you had tip to Dave Tippett for bringing in that strategy. Two other really experienced uh, winning coaches didn't do that. I wonder what would have happened if Todd McClellan had wedded himself to that strategy um, in his tenure, if that would have worked for the, for that team. Maybe they didn't have the puck-moving defenseman at that time to, to pull that off. It's possible, especially after Secker got hurt. Bruce, what is your bad thing? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, uh, Zach Kassian's coverage on the 1-1 goal, or lack thereof, on the 1-1 goal. And I went back and I watched this goal a couple times. And, and this was the one where uh, Connor Murphy got the puck in Chicago's territory and he, and he whipped a, a very good stretch pass to Patrick Kane. And Patrick Kane did Patrick Kane things as he came into Edmonton's territory. And he stick-handled the puck about 40 times as he dangled and, and, and tempted the defenseman while maintaining perfect control. And then he made a pass across to Brandon Saad, which Saad buried into the top corner. Perfect finish. Well, if you go back and you look at the, at the beginning of that play, as Murphy's making the pass, both Cassian and Saad are turning and breaking up ice, and they are dead level with one another with Cassian on the inside. And if Cassian yeah. skates with Saad, he basically has them all the way up the ice. And yet by the time, you know, they, of course they follow the stretch pass up the ice and, and all the dangling by Kane. And by the time Saad and Cassian reemerge into the picture, Cass, <clears throat> Cassian is a good five to seven feet behind Sad and of course Kane's going to make that pass all day, and he puts it on his stick, and Sad makes the shot, and that's not that to me. That was a play where I was going, uh oh! I thought the whole idea here was this was going to be a team, 200 foot, front to back, hustle effort. We can't be giving them any freebies, and that I mean it wasn't a freebie. It was a great goal by Chicago. Credit where due. All three guys made a great play, but Cassian got beat because the other guy out hustled him, and so yeah. for that he gets my bad thing. I have one thing to say about Cassian's effort on that play, Bruce. Sad. sad. <laughs> All right. Uh, sorry. It's quite it's right sad. Gene, Gene Principe actually. playbook, man. All right. My my uh, bad thing is really similar. I thought Oscar Clefbaum's back check was both weak, like slow, and also... On all three goals, if they had just gone to the shooter, if they just had a guy on the shooter, now it was a little harder on Benning there, but I think actually Nuge might have gone to the shooter on the on the third Chicago goal, and Benning could have taken the uh, guy carrying the puck in. But Clefbaum's play on the shorthanded goal, man, all he had to do was like just hustle harder back, just get back harder. He would have blocked that passing lane, and just when he came into the zone, instead of going towards going towards the guy with the puck who was already covered by Nuge. 
go towards the shooter, go towards Taves. <clears throat> and you could, I think he could have blocked off that shot. It was just kind of a brain cramp on his part. He's been playing really well. I, I don't have any problems with Oscar Kleffbaum at this point, but that was not, <laughs> that remember, was really weak remember defense. Remember Tippett was barking at the ref after that goal and they weren't sure why. Because he was, I, Kleffbaum I got blocked a wee number little Number six, Salimata picked, kind of picked, just kind of got in the path of Kleffbaum and got there first. So it's not really a pick, but it's not really, like he, he had no reason to go there other than to get in the way. So It, it was a legal Tippett, pick. Ticket Tippett was giving the ref a, a little bit of an earful, but that that did hamper Clefbaum getting back in the play. But that play, it was a disaster at the offensive blue line, and you know all the after all the followed after that was uh, you know a direct result of the mess at the offensive blue line, which did involve Clefbaum there as well. So yeah, you're certainly right to lay it on him a little bit. You know what uh, Ed Whelan would call that, Bruce? A malfunction, malfunction at, the at the junction. <laughs> <laughs> always happened right. on the third. Uh, it was it always happened on the third <coughs> move, right? The tag team they do the they do the move once and they put the other guy down. They do the move a second time. They put him down every time they tried it the third time. It always went wrong. It was like clockwork. And my other favorite was when they would <laughs> smash heads in the middle of the ring. A meeting uh -huh. of the minds. <laughs> oh yeah, I had, had a few. Had a few. Next, uh, we'll go on to uh, yeah. Bill Matheson. Uh, Bill Matheson uh, favorite slogans. All right, I think we're uh, we're at our numbers, Bruce. What is your numero? Oh, I'm going to steal a number that was mentioned during the broadcast tonight, but I think it's damn impressive, and that is 50 power play goals by the Oilers this year through 56 games. Uh, 50 power play goals. They're tied for the league league with uh, Boston Bruins, a uh, very hot team with 80 points. Uh, Boston has 50 goals on 190 power play chances. Edmonton has 50 goals on 167 power play chances, followed by Vancouver with 48 on 205 chances. So Edmonton's in the bottom half of the NHL in power play opportunities, but they're number one in goals on the power play. They, that power play, and, and even without McDavid tonight, once, once, uh, once the first one uh, went to hell, they came. The second power play was great. They were all over them. They had two or three chances and dangerous passes and stuff, and total control of the puck for the whole thing. And then finally, they they couldn't be denied any any further. That was a terrific power play. And then of course they, they scored again on the uh, on the third power play, and they never got any more after that. Yeah, uh, but they got the th uh, third one. It was only five minutes in the second period, and it made it four three. And the score just stayed there for the last thirty five minutes, right to the last three seconds. Yeah, the Oilers were kind of lucky that Chicago is not a very good team. Um, you know, Chicago scored three goals on its only first three Grade A scoring chances, and yet the Oilers were able to to win that game. That's a pretty unusual win for for any team. Uh, Bruce, my num my numbers are a, a series of statistics <clears throat> about uh, the top line on the Oilers. So since okay. Yamamoto was recalled um, oh, in yeah. the 15 games, the number one scorer in the NHL, as he's been all year, is Leon Dreisaitl. But mm -hmm. he's had 28 points in those 15 games, 1.86 points per game. The sixth leading scorer in the NHL in that time is Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Mm -hmm. Sixth leading scorer, 21 points in 15 games. And again, Nuge came into this season saying, 
what do you want, Nuge? What do you want out of this year? He said, I want to find some line mates that I have chemistry with. Good. He got his Christmas present uh, when Yamamoto was recalled. A little belated. And Yamamoto himself is 46th in league scoring. Um, Nuge has 1.4 points per game. Yamamoto's now got 14 points in 15 games. 0.93 uh, points per game. So these guys... Um, they are just, uh, they're on fire. And it's going to, now that they're on the power play together, all three of them, the, you know, Yamamoto's point total, <coughs> excuse me, is going to take off as well because all, all of his points, except for the one goal tonight, have, have come at even strength. So um, he's going to be feasting, I hope. I hope to see. You know, the, the concern is with a player like Yamamoto, he is shooting, I don't know what it is now, probably 25 26%. You know, that isn't sustainable. That's always the concern with, with any hot streak. You know, no hot streak is sustainable is the truth, obviously. And um, no player is going to keep shooting 26%, 25% unless they're Yeri Curry in the 1980s for four years straight, as you mentioned in our pre-broadcast mm-hmm. talk. But um, I think this line can keep going, Bruce. I think this line can keep producing, and uh, they show no indication of slowing down. Yeah, they're going to have games where they're shut out, but these guys are going to keep uh, keep pouring it on because they got it going on. They can pass. They're three smart players and three great passers, and uh, not bad shooters out there either. When you with Yamo going to the net, and uh, Nuge can snipe, and Drysaddle, of course, has got a great gun. So exciting times. If only McDavid, when he comes back, could get. Uh, a line mate like Yamamoto and uh, maybe other than Yamamoto, I don't want to see him taken off that line. Yeah. Well, it was a gutsy decision by Tippett to leave that line together tonight with the gaping hole at center. Yeah. Uh, The temptation would have been strong to put Nugent Hopkins into McDavid's spot, but really what is McDavid's spot? Because he didn't really have any, any uh, burning wingers uh, so you might as well keep your hot line together and hope your three fourth lines can saw off and your your first line can win you the game. And that's essentially how it kind of worked out tonight. So, yeah, Yamamoto's shooting percentage is 28%, seven goals on 25 shots. And uh, he's tied with, uh, oh, yeah, seven goals on 25 shots for, wow. uh, for Yamamoto. And. He's certainly making them, but I mean, look where those shots are coming from. Well, yeah, they're like three foot shots or one foot shots. <clears throat> you know, the line I think is going to come on, Bruce. I, I, well, I really like, I think the checking line is going to be good because it's been good. That grind line has been good for the last, th- throughout this whole streak where the Oilers have been playing well in these last 15 games. Um, that grind line has been good. But uh, I think that the, the Haas, Gagne, Chase online uh, is going to score some goals. And that obviously the Oilers are going to need that line to score some goals, but they were really playing well um, before they were broken up. That's why Gagne got promoted to the top line because that line was playing so well. So I think, um, <coughs> excuse me, that we're going to see that line uh, continue on and uh, maybe get a few more goals out of them. Well, they're going to need them. I mean, the the elephant in the room that we just sort of just sort of touched on to this point is the news that we got today about Connor McDavid and the fact that he's going to be out of action for two to three weeks at a very busy, busy, busy time of the Oilers' schedule. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to, uh, uh, that's going to increase the workload on a few guys. I mean, uh, 
No, it was actually Nuge that played, led the way tonight with almost 25 minutes up front. Because wow. he, he played three and a half minutes on the penalty kill as well as power play and, and on the first line. So he was really playing in all situations in Nuge. And, and uh, he's got it going on, man. He's playing really well this last few weeks. Really, really well. You can see he's have, having so much fun out there, really feeling mm-hmm. it. So good for good for Ryan Eugene Hopkins. Yeah, he deserves it after uh, all the heavy lifting he's been asked to do in the recent seasons. Indeed. All right. Well, let's leave it there, Bruce. Thanks for talking okay. tonight. Any Were you wanting to mention at all the uh, Joachim Nygaard signing? Um, not much. I just think it was a good signing of a fast, speedy player. I think I'm about to die in a coughing fit here. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, they 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 got a guy to take a <laughs> take a salary cut to hang around. So uh, Holland's Sweet. doing some sharp sharp work. That's four guys he signed in about a month now, starting with Caleb Jones. And That's right. So he's got yeah. uh, uh, starting to take care of business uh, uh, with time to spare. So he's uh, he's uh, I'm I'm liking most of the moves. The casting contract, I think that's going to take a while to play out. But uh, anyway, um, busy day. All right. And we should just say, you know, everyone, I think, in the hockey world is just really uh, sad tonight and worried about Jay Bo Meester. And that was, uh, that's a really scary thing that we all saw. We've seen the, you know, most of us have seen the videotape by now. And, and, uh, of course, we're all wishing him well. Uh, Edmonton uh, boy and a great NHLer. So good luck to you, Jay Bowmeister. Hope everything is well with you. Shades of Yuri Fisher, eh? That scene, and it was, uh, and of course, Bowmeister says an Edmonton boy. His dad, Dan Bowmeister, uh, was assistant go- coach of the Golden Bears for many years. And you know what? The dads were on this trip. Yeah. So can you? Ma- what a nightmare for them. Oh my goodness. Well, at least he's there to be with his son. I guess, yeah. But I mean, no, all that's those good. Dads, I mean, holy crap. I mean, I to talk about a worst case scenario, I'd love to have some fun watching the boys play and that yeah. happens. Well, the good news, if there is any good news, and it's still early, so we don't know. But Darren Payne, did, who was at the game, he was the broadcaster. And he did say that uh, Bo Meester was alert heading into the, um, uh, into the ambulance and acknowledging other people. Mm-hmm. All right. So we'll leave it there. Thanks again, Bruce. Okay, thanks for listening, everyone. Feel better, David. Yeah, I do feel better. Just this cough is hanging on. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.